Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 224. Royal Caribbean unveiled some of the impressive work they're doing towards radically improving the onboard guest experience with an array of tech advancements. Their vision for what will eventually change how guests will coordinate their onboard experience was at the heart of a media event in New York City recently, and that gave me the opportunity to take a first-hand look at what Royal Caribbean has in store. This week, I want to share what these changes are all about and my thoughts on the next generation of Royal Caribbean technology. Here we go. The word innovation is often synonymous with Royal Caribbean cruises. Royal Caribbean has never shied away from pushing the boundaries of what is possible on a Royal Caribbean cruise. It is the consistent drive to offer guests the latest and greatest experiences that captures the imagination of so many cruisers year after year with each new vessel that Royal Caribbean produces. In fact, improving on the onboard experience has been part of Royal Caribbean's playbook for decades, whether it was adding a rock climbing wall on board or creating a long thoroughfare of shopping, entertainment, and dining down the middle of the ship, or bringing the best of Broadway to its guests, Royal Caribbean has been at the forefront of giving its guests new choices and new ways to cruise. Technology, like a newfound potion, allows Royal Caribbean to offer greater marvels than ever before and has been one of the cruise line's greatest strengths. Azipod omnidirectional propulsion, the ability to stream video from anywhere on board the ship, open your stateroom door with a wave of your wristband. These are just some of the ways technology has let guests imagine themselves in an infinite place of possibilities. With Excalibur, Royal Caribbean wants to go a step beyond where we are now. At a media event in New York City last week, I was invited to take a first-hand look at what the future looks like for Royal Caribbean and its guests. And it was a really intriguing event, I have to tell you. And coming back to it, it's a really exciting time. Now, I'll post a link in our show notes at royalcaribbeanblog.com. You can read the full breakdown of what this all is. There's a lot to this, and I'm not going to be able to cover it quite all in this podcast. But I want you to understand that there's a lot that's happening. What Royal Caribbean is trying to do is improve upon the guest experience. It's not to say there's a broken guest experience. It's not to say that what we currently have is bad or not good. It's actually probably the best it's ever been. But Royal Caribbean wants to make it even better. They want to avoid those little things that may not be a big deal. It's not, you know, the kind of things that you might not even say, oh, that's not going to ruin your cruise or anything. But they want to just make it even simpler, easier, and better. This is an across-the-board approach. This is an idea that, you know, it's it's a way to consistently make for a better onboard experience. That just makes everybody happier, right? And that's the, happier is really what it's all about. And I think sometimes, you know, some people may look and say, you know, the you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's not that it's broken. It's that it can be made better and improved upon. And I think from an analytical standpoint, if you look at the total holistic cruise experience, there are certainly some not pitfalls, but no matter what, you're, there are some issues that can be improved upon, ways that they can make things better for their guests. And I think that's what this is at the heart of all about. And having heard and seen a lot of this, I'm pretty excited for what the future has to hold for Royal Caribbean because they're really looking at it from a totally new standpoint. Now, this is a, a process we should mention that's going to take several years, actually, to implement. Over the next two years, Royal Caribbean is going to implement something called, uh, they, they're calling it right now, Project Excalibur. I'm not, honestly not sure if they're going to change the name of it or come up with something else. Uh, the event was called Sea Beyond, S-E-A, like the ocean, uh, Beyond. But this idea is that there's a brand new smartphone app. And it's not just a new app because a new app is not in and of itself that exciting. But this is a whole new approach and there's so many components to this new app and some supporting services that it all comes together in the end to offer guests a, a much more uh, enjoyable and hopefully a better 
cruise experience. So uh, let's talk about what this is all about here. Uh, let's talk about the the embarkation process. This was something Royal Caribbean tried to approach with the Quantum class ships, and this is an idea of you know the the old way of of getting on board a cruise ship, whether it's Royal Caribbean or not, is you go to a cruise terminal, you have to go to the check in counter, you have to you know present your paperwork, they take your photo. Inevitably, you know, maybe you forgot your photo or you forgot your paperwork or, you know, there's all these little things they have to do. And there's a lot of shuttling back and forth. And Rokerman wants to make it even simpler. They call it, they want to make a frictionless check-in. And the idea is that rather than you stopping here and doing all these little things, it's not that these are bad things. Like, that was a really big deal. I'm sure all of us, in fact, I enjoy the check-in process. It's embarkation day. Who doesn't love that? But it's the idea that they can make it simpler and easier to get in, skipping the check-in line completely. Rokerman is going to rely on facial recognition technology so they know who you are even before you get there. And when, so when you arrive at the terminal, you're, all your information is already set up for you. So that way, it allows you to get from curb to ship even faster. That's right. It's it's really at the heart of what Royal Caribbean is trying to do with making this just a simpler process. And it's going to be utilizing technologies like RFAD uh, tagging, GPS mapping, Bluetooth. It, it's really about streamlining the entire process. And the idea is really simple. There's a again, there's a new app. Uh, before you get on your cruise, you'll take pictures of everybody in your family. So you have little selfies you can take of everybody, so they know who's in your party. You will have your your set sail pass is actually going to be in the app. There's no more printing this out, you know, the set sail pass and and then all these other things you got to print out and bring them with you. I I'm guilty of forgetting them in the hotel two times. There was a Quantum of the Seas cruise in which I forgot. I printed it at home, forgot it, got to the hotel, printed it out again, and forgot it in the hotel room. So there's no more of that. This is all in the app now. You store it directly on your phone, so there's nothing else to. Uh, do. This makes it fast and simple. So that way, once you get to the terminal, all you have to do is, they again, the facial recognition, that's it. The only line you're waiting in is the security line, which obviously is a necessary evil, if you will, uh, that everybody has to go through. But that's it. There's nobody to talk to. There's no check-in. You're all set. And you're just, as soon as you arrive, it's got it all for you. And that's uh, what Royal Caribbean says is they want to make it so there's less friction and less frustration with guests. And I think this is really important, especially for first-timers. You know, if you've been on many, many Royal Caribbean cruises, you may look at it and say, well, you know, it's not really that bad, really. And it's not. But this is about making it even easier for everybody, and that's really a, a big part of it. Now, of course, the new app is really the, the big part. As we already mentioned, this even the check-in is part of the new app. And right now, you, you may have read on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com that Royal Caribbean released this new app a couple months ago, actually. They've been testing it on Oasis of the Seas and Allure of the Seas. But what you currently see on board, uh, or online, rather, on those in those apps is a fraction of the of the functionality that is coming with the full featured app and I got a chance to play with the full featured app and what's cool about it is it integrates all the f- functions and I and things that I think really do make an app worthwhile in that they want to make it simple and easy, but it allows you to do a number of things. Now, the feature that gets the most attention is the ability you can now order drinks from the app and they'll deliver it to you. They'll find you. Now, it's not all cross ship. You can't be hiding in the bathroom, uh, the men's room on deck six and install two. They're not going to find you there. But if you're in certain areas like the pool deck or in a lounge, you don't have to flag somebody down. You don't have to go stand at the bar. Remember that? It, remember that like, like that was 20 years ago. <laughs> I do that all the time. You go to, you know, you're at the schooner bar 
And whether it's prime time, nine o'clock in the evening, and the and the and the piano bar is singing, uh, you know, doing this thing, or maybe it's just two o'clock in the afternoon, or it's let's face it, it's a cruise ship. It's probably nine thirty in the morning. You're at the, you know, you don't have to belly up to the bar anymore. You can just simply uh, once you enter the venue, you go on your app, you order your drink, and. Through uh, Bluetooth and the fact that they have your photo, your server comes and finds you and delivers the drink to you. Makes it really, really easy. And it's it's a noticeably cool thing because here's the scenario in which this really makes a lot of sense. Obviously, you're going to be cruising with friends and family, right? And you're having a good time. You're sitting down. You're talking. You're having. You're striking up a conversation. There's no more of this, you know, well, all right, let me go. Let me collect everybody's C-Pass cards. All right, what do you want? What do you want to order? What do you want? Was that with uh, Midori or was that with Kahlua? Right, okay, okay. Uh, two, uh, two of those. Okay, one of those. And what beer do you want? No more of that. There's no more of that kind of thing. This makes it a whole lot simpler, and you can. Uh, it's 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 just so cool. It's one of those things. Like I remember the first time, you know, you watch like Netflix on your phone. You might say, "Well, who cares? I got the DVD over there, man. Big deal. I can watch. I can just pull it out, put it in my DVD player, and watch it." But when you get to just sit around on your couch or in the airport, and you're like, "I really want to watch Star Wars right now," and bam, you start streaming it. How cool is that? This is what that is all about, really, is that ability to just have it on demand and be able to order drinks that way. It's a really cool idea. Not only that, the app will allow you to uh, sign up for shore excursions, make dinner reservations, and uh, and a whole lot more. And manage your whole cruise experience, view the cruise planner, add events to the uh, to your own personal calendar. And it's all really simple and very intuitive. In fact, the, playing with the app, you if, if you've played with almost any new app these days whether it's a contemporary app whether it's facebook lyft uber you know any of these basically modern apps that i think almost everybody interacts with in one way or another the the flow of it totally makes a whole lot of sense and it's you know it makes it really simple and of course everyone already has a smartphone anyway so they're allowing uh, you to be able to continue using your devices that you already bring on board and and work within there. Now they're also working on things like with uh, virtual reality and augmented reality uh, that will, you know, th- I think these are more. Uh, I don't want to say pie in the sky, but these are things that are coming down the pipeline. Things they're playing, Royal Caribbean is playing with that allow them. They say they'll be able to transform ship spaces into virtual environments and interactive games. Again, these are some ideas that Royal Caribbean is working with and moving beyond. I, there's no question that this new app is a major step forward. Royal Caribbean did have an app, if you're wondering. Uh, it's called Royal IQ, but it's only available on a couple of ships, the Quantum Class ships and Harmony of the Seas. And while it was a nice app, it was developed in 2014. And this is something that Royal Caribbean keyed in on uh, in the beginning of the presentation. Uh, Royal Caribbean uh, Limited Chairman uh, Richard Fain talked about this. He said, you know, in 2014, they worked on the WoW bands and they worked on the... Uh, the, the this Royal IQ app, and it was a good start for the time. But in 2017, a lot has changed. And as we know, the Royal IQ app has not gone beyond any of the other... Uh, you know any other ships that I just mentioned there? In fact, it's only been re- relegated to new builds, and even that, we're only talking about what you know four or five ships really at this point, and that's not a lot. That's, that's not really odds are. I think most people listening to this podcast, you know, you may have not actually interacted with it yet, but they want to take this obviously fleet wide, and this is something that they're working on. In fact, if you're wondering about timeline, by the end of this year, three Royal Caribbean ships, end of 2017, three Royal Caribbean ships will have. Uh, this new app implemented uh, th- that will be Oasis of the Seas, Allure of the Seas, and Serenade of the Seas. And if you're wondering why Serenade made that list, because I did too as well, you have to remember that Serenade of the Seas is actually in the pro. If you're listening to this episode when it comes out, right in the process of a quick refurbishment 
And since she's already in dry dock, well, it makes it a whole lot easier. Now, the app will allow you to do other things as well uh, beyond just ordering drinks and changing reservations. Uh, it will allow you actually to serve as a room key. So as long as the passenger has their phone on them, their room doors will unlock as soon as they approach the idea. And again, this is going back to this idea of frictionless arrival, making it just simpler and easier. And I will tell you something. And I've used this word. This is why I like wow bands all the time because CPAS cards are great. But, you know, when you I've got two kids and I'm always carrying everybody's CPAS cards in my in my in my pocket and I'm usually juggling something, whether it's my own children or the stuff they're bringing. We've only got stuff in our hands. So digging in your pocket and finding the right room key, it's I, it's a struggle. And I know that's like people are rolling their eyes at that. But for parents, it's just annoying to have to dig in that. The wow bands were great for that because I could just, you know, kind of uh, move my wrist over there in the general direction of the of the door and unlock. But now with the phone, it makes it a whole lot simpler. So, uh, you know, there, there's a lot that this app is going to do. And uh, you can also track your luggage on the app. So that way you can arrive, you can track it from the time it arrives at the pier until it's delivered to your stateroom. This, again, is something that Rokerman tried with the Royal IQ app, and now this will go fleet-wide. And that way you'll know exactly where your bags are and being able to, you know, track them down because there's no more of this, well, are the bags back? Well, someone's going to go back to the room and see. Uh, in fact, heck, how about when you're sitting in the room and you have to keep on opening up the stateroom door and checking if the bag is actually there? This makes it, again, a whole lot easier to to uh, manage. Of course, you'll be able to make show reservations on there. And uh, it's it's a big part of what Royal Caribbean is trying to do. And it's pretty exciting. I got to tell you, the, this idea that in over the next two years, we're going to have this come across the fleet. Every Royal Caribbean international ship, including actually celebrity ships and Alzamara, will have it as well. And uh, there's one other feature which is really nice, which is they're adding a chat feature. This is a big deal because I feel like the app is is you know is if you're going to be using an app, maybe they'll be able to chat on there. And of course, you know one of the a very common question I get is about how to stay in contact on board. And having an app that everybody can use and is included. And by the way, this will be free. Royal IQ, the chatting feature, costs extra. This will be included in the app. Boy, that makes it a whole lot easier for families and friends to stay in contact with each other. Uh, I did mention when I was talking to them that in its current form, and I should mention that what I'm talking about is in its current form as of, what is it, November 2017, so a lot can change. But in its current form, there isn't a way to say, you know, if you make friends on board the ship, can you add them? Not currently, but that is a feature they're working on, and, you know, it's not limited to that. And one of the things that, one of the nice precepts of all this, something I really picked up on, that is that... They're not just building something and then just leaving it out there, right? They're not just building something and this is one and done and that's it and this will be the product. There, this will be a continuously improved product that Royal will be working on, and it it makes it a whole lot easier uh, to be able to do that. Now, one thing that's uh, that's uh, I know a lot of people were asking me about, and I should probably mention it here: the internet, Voom Internet, is not related to any of this. So while you know you may have uh, questions or concerns about the current internet capabilities. That's totally separate from all of this. The app will work without purchasing a Wi-Fi plan. So you do, you do not have to purchase an internet plan in order to use the smartphone app. And again, the smartphone app will just be free. You just install it, uh, download and install it for free, set it all up, and you're good to go. And it's going to make it a big deal, uh, I think, in order to make things uh, simpler. So that's a, that's a really big idea. Now, the other thing that they showed off was uh, some other ideas. Uh, the app would also allow you to adjust the lighting and temperature in your cabin, which I will tell you is nice for when you are doing certain things in the day. Like as an example, you're sitting by the pool, 
kids are, you know, you're you you're doing a pool day, right? And you know you're coming back soon, so you can either drive up the AC or drive down the AC. Some people, you know, when they come back from the pool, they're all wet and cold, and they want to, you know, turn off the air conditioning a little bit or turn it down a little bit so that it'll, you know, be better. Or you just want to, you know, you're coming back on board the ship from a day in Cozumel, and you're hot and sweaty, you want the air conditioning pumping. Well, there you go. You have that opportunity uh, to do so. Also, you'll have the, uh, some other basic functionality. You can look at the maps, uh, deck plans of the ships. You know, it's a little interactive and offers you some nice things there. So it, it's pretty darn exciting. I got to tell you, I what I like about it is it is something I keyed on earlier in this episode, which is that Royal Caribbean is looking to continuously innovate. They're not content with, well, let's just roll out the same old, same old, same old. This is an opportunity to improve upon things and offer new enhancements. And that's what I love about it. It's that, you know, one of the uh, things I was talking, I, was, I think I was on Twitter, I'm not even sure, but I was talking to somebody, said, you know, the technology is not the center. This is not a a you know, this is not meant to replace the experience. This is meant to enhance, improve the experience. And honestly, what it really should be, I think at the heart of it, is an unnoticeably improvement. What I mean by that is, it's not like, wow, look at this technology. Isn't it cool? It should be no different than the fact that we, you know how we look at CPAS cards currently, magnetic strip cards that you swipe in. Remember what was before magnetic strip cards? Keys, metal keys that you had to get in and you put in the door handle, you turned it and you play, you know, you still have this problem, but you know, it's like turning a little bit, that's not really going in, turn it the other way, turn it the, you know, remember that? So we got the magnetic key cards, right? And magnetic strip cards are, were hugely better because there's no more of that dumb thing. And if you lose your key, there's no more like, oh, geez, what are we going to do now? Because remember that they used to charge you like an arm and a leg to replace the keys. They had the locksmith out there, but that made it so much easier. There was nothing wrong with those old style keys before, but magnetic strip cards made it a whole lot simpler and better. And that's what this is really all about, making things better and simpler and easier. So Rokram is really keying in on a buzzword called frictionless. That's a big term in technology. It's just making things simpler is really what it is. But you know, it's making things simpler at the expense of stumbling points that existed before. And it's a smoother experience is really what this is all about. And I love this idea. It's It's... It makes it, it's not only what has made Royal Caribbean so cool and interesting as a company, but it's also going to make things just, I, I, I really do believe that when we look back on this in a couple of years, it will be like that example of, you know, old style metal keys versus, you know, magnetic cards, you know, to get into your room. It's, it's, it's not that the keys didn't work and the mag stripes are, you know, uh, unnecessary. It just makes it easier and simpler. And that's a really big part of it. And though Rokerman also talked about a couple other things that we should probably key in on and, and, and discuss. One of which was, of course, the environment and the impact. Now, Royal Caribbean is developing a new class of ships called the Icon class of ships. Now, this is a, sh- a class of ships that are down. There's, they don't exist yet. They won't debut until about 2022, I believe. So we've got a little bit of time to go that. But before they get there, Royal Caribbean is already working on some of the technology that will be at the heart of those ships. As an example, they're working on actually fuel cell technology. So the idea is they want to operate ships that have zero emissions. Instead of, the, you know... Cruise ships and smokestacks are synonymous. I mean, if you ask anybody to draw you a cruise ship or you look at a photo of a cruise ship, inevitably, you have those smokestacks on top. Royal Caribbean has them, too. They just hide them, I think, a little bit better than some other cruise lines. But they're there, and, of course, inevitably, there's smoke comes out of them, right? This is, you know, exhaust. But 
what Rokerman wants to get to is instead of having exhaust in the form of CO2 and other particles that are bad for the environment, they want to offer zero emissions. And instead, you might, if you're on a particular cold day, you would see at best steam. And fuel cell technology allows them to do that. And they're actually going to be testing some of the some of these energy efficiencies uh, on some of the upcoming ships, either actually new ships that are being built and also existing ships that are going to be going through some refurbishments. So it's it's a pretty exciting time when you think about what this, this these new fuel cell technologies are going to be all about and and offer guests more. Not only that, of course, something they've been working has been, been experimenting with for a while now are using tiny bubbles to allow their cruise ships to essentially float on a cushion of air. That's a really uh, basic uh, <laughs> description of what it is, but again, they want to make it by using that they make their ships more fuel efficient, and that means, of course, they need less fuel, which means that their fuel efficient technologies, whether it's fuel cell technology or uh, their liquefied natural gas, that's another part of the uh, the, the equation that Royal Army is looking for to get towards their zero emissions. Uh, whether, regardless of that, if you're using less fuel, you need less of the you need less power. And there you go, and that kind of works towards that. So it's it's pretty cool thing. And one other thing they showed, which was a this uh, stateroom of the future, and this was kind of like a you know when when uh, if you ever watch if you ever follow uh, cars, car manufacturers every year will come up with model concept cars. They call them. These are cars that don't are never intended to be actually produced more more often. I mean, like, vast majority of the time they never are. A couple actually do, but. They're, they're these ideas. It's basically the engineers sitting somewhere in a room says, you know what would be cool? What if we went really crazy and we came up with this and this and this? And a lot of times it allows, by creating concept cars, first of all, it gets some nice media attention because oftentimes these things look like they're straight out of the Jetsons. But it also allows engineers to play with ideas. And any good engineer knows that even if you come up with an idea that fails horribly, like there's no way this could possibly work. The idea itself never dies. It just you go back to it later on because technology changes, your 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 knowledge of, of things change, and and you can bring that idea back. And with Royal Caribbean, this is kind of that same approach. They designed a stateroom of the future, and this is it's how do I describe this room? Then we have photos of this on on the blog, but I'll describe it for you if you're if you're obviously in your car and you don't have a chance to take a look at it yet. The room essentially looks like it is a curvy room. That looks like the walls are made out of sand. It almost, if you can remember, if you ever watched Star Wars, New Hope, the original Star Wars movie from the 70s, and where Luke lived before he met Obi-Wan Kenobi, that's kind of what the walls look like to me. <laughs> the The ceiling is entirely uh, LED lights, illumination, so it can, you can put anything on there. You can broadcast anything on there. You have a, a, an entire wall that is a virtual wall. The floor has what I can best describe as a river of light. It's a river of just like the ceiling is made out of completely out of these. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, how do what do you describe it as uh, this illuminating d- device? The floor also has these uh, the, the ability to change. And what's cool about it, the idea is basically well. You know, you have these rooms, and instead of it being fully reliant on whatever you happen to see outside, you now have the ability to, you know, broadcast, you know, into your room an entire experience. You know, whether it's in the middle of the night, you can see the entire night sky. You could have the room wake you up with a with a full uh, sunrise. You know, so you could have your alarm set, and then you actually have a real sunrise there to do. I mean, this is a real basic, you know, uh, kind of just a a real. Uh, 10,000 foot approach on it 
but it's it's a neat idea. I, I got to say, I'm not sure I would want to stay in the exact room that I happen to see. But I love that they're trying to uh, just try. It's a completely out there idea, and that's what makes it kind of cool. And again, I, I challenge you to take a look at the photos that we have at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. It's neat. It's definitely a different take on it, and it really was a, a kind of a dreamer's look at what a cruise ship room could be, and it's pretty darn interesting. I got to say, I give them at least credit for it. And who knows? Will this will this be what we'll see in you know ten, twenty years from now? Probably not. In fact, don't forget that when Royal Caribbean this they brought this up in the in the Venice. It's a really good point. You know, when Royal Caribbean designs its ships, when uh, from what the date the ship actually launches. So as an example, let's look at Symphony of the Seas. It's going to launch in you know March, uh, April 2018. You know that ship was originally started you know designing and design on you know five years or so before that. So there's a lot that goes into that. But you know Royal Caribbean is considering all ideas and they're looking. And they're not just assuming. Well, this is how we've done it before. Thus, we'll do it again this way, right? They're always considering new ideas, and I think that's a pretty exciting opportunity. So all in all, I think that we've got some really exciting times ahead of us with this with this new technology. I love it because it just – I think I've said the word probably like 10 times in this episode. It simplifies things. And simple is good because simple makes it easy, but it also makes it – you know, easy in the sense you know if you're if you're new to the to the idea, but it also just streamlines things. That's what I like about it. You know, making things just flow better is I think what really what Royal Caribbean is looking to do with the new app and some of these new innovations that they're working on. So it'll be very interesting to see because of course we're you know we're here in late 2017 and will this new next generation of technology really transform them when they when we get to the end of this implementation in basically two years from now. So like episode I don't know 350 or something like that you know ish what will we have seen going back on this? You know, looking back at it all, what will have been? I, I really feel like Royal Caribbean really wants to take this to the next level in the sense of, you know, if you were to be sent back in time, if you were to hop in your DeLorean and go back in time to, oh, geez, I'd say, you know, 30 years ago, you know, the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, and how you would look at a cruise ship and you'd say, wow, like, well, you'd probably say, wow, they allow you to shoot guns off the back of the ship. <laughs> <laughs> or shoot golf balls and, you know, other experiences that are long gone. But, you know, it, it, it's almost that, like, I don't want to say a laughable approach, but I think we're going to see a fundamental shift here uh, with what the guest experience and technology is going to fuel a lot of what Royal Caribbean is looking to do here. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of years and what Excalibur will bring to us. time once again to jump into the Royal Caribbean blog virtual inbox where I answer your Royal Caribbean questions. This is the part of the episode where you can actually email me your questions, comments, thoughts, ideas, basically anything on your mind about a Royal Caribbean cruise. And we're going to talk about it right here on the podcast. And our first email today comes to us from Barbara who writes, Matt, can you explain a guarantee suite to upgrade? It was less than a junior suite, but what does it really mean? Barbara, great question. So a guaranteed suite basically means that you are going to pay in this example, a little bit less than a specific room. You don't get to pick your room. You don't, you don't even get to pick your category of suite, but Royal Caribbean will put you in a suite to be determined later. Now, in most cases, this is probably going to be a junior suite, uh, but theoretically, it could be almost any suite. The guaranteed rooms in general work in this way in that you give up the ability to choose the exact category and the exact stateroom number and location, and uh, by giving that up, you get in exchange, you pay less money. 
So this is good for people who maybe just want to go up to a suite but don't want to pay that extra little bit more to actually pick a specific room. Now, as I mentioned, the guarantee suite means it'll be a suite or above. So it could be any suite on the ship. In practice, it's almost always a junior suite, but sometimes you can actually go above that, but it really depends on on inventory. And when you'll actually know, well, you'll have to keep checking back. At some point between when you book the room and your sale date, magically, when you go to Royal Caribbean's website and log into the My Cruise section, you will see a room number assigned. You'll be able to figure out what it is. Again, the advantage is you're saving money. The disadvantage, potentially is that you don't know which room you have, what category, we know what kind of suite, and moreover, you don't know uh, where where it is on the ship. So there's a little bit of a risk, it's a little bit of a game. Some people would say that it's totally worth it. Really, I think it comes down to how much money is it really saving you and how important is it for you to be able to pick your exact room and location. As an example, I always use my parents as the example because my parents will never go for this because my parents always want to be midship, center, on a low deck. You know, they want to, They know where they want to be, right? And they're not willing to roll the dice. Me, it depends on the price. If it, you know, if it can save a little bit of money here, you know, maybe a couple hundred dollars, I might be willing to roll the, the dice on it because, you know, hey, that's 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 you know, maybe that that's your drink package there. Maybe that's your those are your shore excursions. You know, basically, or in my case, it's probably another cruise I get to book. So uh, it depends on the price difference, but it can be a good value. It can be a good idea. You just have to be comfortable with the trade offs with it. Good question, Barbara. Thank you for the email. Our next email is from David in Allen Park, Michigan. Hi, Matt. Love the show. I've been listening for a while, and I finally booked my first cruise for me and my family, Adventure of the Seas for seven nights to the Bahamas out of New Jersey. I booked it with a refundable deposit option because I did not know if I'd be able to reprice my cruise if it was cheaper in the upcoming months. I thought I would ask you if I could have done the non-refundable option and still been able to reprice without any penalties instead. David, thank you for the email. And regarding the non-refundable cruise fares, these days there are two kinds of fares. There's refundable and non-refundable. Non-refundable is like the old salary. Right? You can cancel any time up till final payment date. No penalties for changes, cancellations, whatnot, right? Up, up till final payment date anyway. Non-refundable fares are kind of a new program that Royal Caribbean introduced not too long ago where there's, it's kind of like when you go to buy an airline ticket or even some rental car uh, options where you're saying, I'm committing to this and any cancellation or changes will incur a penalty per person uh, for that. Now, that being said, in David's case, David's asking, well, what if he books he books his cruise, a seven-night adventure of the seas cruise, and tomorrow or next week or next month, the price drops. Not changing the sailing, not changing anybody in the reservation, but the price drops. Can I reprice and and you know be able to uh, take advantage of that? And the answer is yes. In that situation, you can. The non-refundable penalty uh, only incurs if you cancel your sailing or change your sailing to another sail date. Adding or removing people also will uh, can't, or I should say, can incur the change fee as well. Uh, but if you're just in your, in this exact scenario, David, where you're on the sailing, no one's changing. The amount of people going on the cruise is still the same, but the price drops. You can absolutely take advantage of. That. There's no penalty there, so repricing is still allowed under the non-refundable cruise fare. So you're good in that scenario. Thank you for the email, David. Next, we have an email. From Sarah from Texas, we're looking to book uh, Harmony of the Seas for next Thanksgiving. I'm curious about what is complimentary on Labadee's private island. I found lists of what there is to do, but nothing telling me prices or what is free. Thanks so much for the great podcast. My daughter and I love to listen as we drive our uh, Meals on Wheels route. Awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you to you and your daughter for doing such a wonderful act of kindness and charity. And thank you for listening and the question. So, Labadee is Royal Caribbean's private destination. Royal Caribbean has two private destinations, as you may or may not know. Labadee and Coco Cay. Labadee is in Haiti. Coco Cay is in the Bahamas. In Labadee, uh, in both cases, honestly, they're, they're beach days. So, what's included? You get off the ship. 
You go to one of the many beaches that are in Labadee, and it's totally free. There are chairs provided for you. You sit down. You swim. You can, um, you know, you, you you can sunbathe. You can obviously go swimming in the ocean. Uh, there's actually lunch provided for you as well, and that's included as well. There's no additional cost. It's just like going to a restaurant on board the ship. Heck, you can even go back to the ship and eat lunch and then come back to the beach. It's not very practical, but some people have done that. In fact, I've done that before. But um, that's basically what's included. There are certain, there's some nature trails you can walk around. But any activities in the form of excursions do cost extra. So there's like there's a zip line that costs extra. There's a water park. There's a water slide. There is a, a roller coaster. It's an alpine coaster. It's not like Six Flags. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's an alpine coaster. If you don't know what that is, Google it. I'm sure you'll find out. Um, you, you know, there, there's some activities like that that are that uh, do have an extra cost because you know if you're doing those kind of things almost anywhere that have an extra cost to you, jet skiing and parasailing and whatnot. But to actually go to the beach and sit there all day, no additional cost whatsoever. Uh, if you have a drinks package. Sarah, that's still included in Labadee. So if you buy an unlimited alcohol package or your daughter maybe gets the um, the soda package, you still get your privileges on Labadee. So no change there. So technically that would still be included there. But it's basically just a, a beach day. And I often recommend for people who are going to Labadee for the first time, treat it as such. You know, don't you, there are a lot of excursions to consider. I think those are really good for folks that have been to Labadee before uh, or, you know, and this is maybe their subsequent trip. I really feel like the key to Labadee is just, it's a great beach day. It's one of the best beaches you can have. And I think you're, you know, if you're going to do shore excursions like parasailing and jet skiing and whatnot, there are other islands you can do that at. But I think for Labadee, it's really just a nice way to just relax, take it easy. Uh, there's also a little bit of in the inside, I don't know how old your daughter is, Sarah, but um, in the interior of Labadee, Labadee is a peninsula. And in the middle of the peninsula, there is, it used to be the Adventure Ocean Area, but now it's just a glorified uh, water play area. Again, it's for younger kids, so I don't, again, I don't know how old your daughter is, but that is actually included. It's a great option for toddlers who maybe the surf, I don't know if it's too rough, but you know, toddlers like to be able to splash and run around, and this is a great spot for it. It's located right in the middle of, uh, uh-huh. of the area. There are some other activities that I should mention that are included. I mean, there's like a volleyball court. You could do that for free. Of course, you have to kind of find people to do that, although I do believe in the cruise campus, you may find organized games. Uh, there's, uh, as I mentioned, nature trails. There's places to walk around. Uh, there's some shopping you can do. Obviously, that has, has an extra cost to it, but there's no fee to actually do that. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 a great beach day, and that's what it's all about there in Labadee. Sarah, I hope you have a great time. I know you and your daughter are going to have a blast no matter what. Next, we have an email from... Let's see. Who's this email from? It was a long email. I love the long emails. Daniel Stober from Harriman, Utah. Who writes to me? Scroll back up. Hi, Matt. I just returned Monday from five nights on Empress of the Sea, sailing to Key West, Havana, and Cozumel. I was in inside cabin room 7033, right next to the centrum, and it was small. With beds pushed together, there was about two feet of walking space on one side, and the other side was up against the wall. Even on the side where you could walk, you had to duck because the fold-out berths were above. Nevertheless, there was plenty of storage. Cuban immigration. Honestly, even though I've never, I've heard a lot of stories about how smooth the process is, I was still somewhat anxious, but it was all for naught. There's a one-on-one check with the immigration officer, and then a bag scan and x-ray screening airport style. The immigration officer was uh, painless enough. She looked through my passport and took my picture. I requested that she use extra ink and apply a lot of pressure while stamping my passport, which she did, and she even stamped passport twice. The bag scan and x-ray were less onerous than a TSA check at the airport. The whole thing, including the wait, was about 10 minutes. When you return to the ship at the end of the day, you have to repeat the process in reverse. The Cuban bag scan does not replace the Royal Caribbean bag scan, as there's another one when you actually get back on board. Cuban currency exchange. Immediately after security at the end of the terminal is the 
Hadeca, Cuban money exchange place. There were plenty of cashier windows open, so getting Cuban currency took no time. Following the advice of many, I converted my currency to euros before departing on my vacation in order to avoid the 10% penalty charged by the Cuban government for converting U.S. dollars. Of course, the savings are not quite as large because every time you exchange currency, the commission takes a little bite. The two-step conversion cost me two commissions, so the 150 U.S. dollars I began with ended up being 138 Cuban convertible pesos. I Had I just taken 150 U.S. dollars into the terminal and exchanged it directly, I would have gotten 131 uh, Cuban convertible pesos. Essentially, well, with all that said, I'd say about less than 5%. I should also note that the Kadeka inside the terminal was closed when I came back to the ship sometime just after 4 p.m. If I had planned to convert money back to Western currency, I would have been out of luck. Fortunately, I spent everything besides one peso bill that I was planning to keep anyway. If you do get stuck with a lot of currency or if you need more, there is a Kadeka inside the Amance San Jose straw market and another one on the Plaza de San Francisco across the street. The Old Havana Walking Tour. I booked my short excursion right after I heard Haley describe this tour on your podcast. I don't usually do organized tours, but given the uncertainty of the U.S. government restrictions, I figured I should do something that was already vetted. The walking tour was different than what Haley experienced. Primarily, there was no bus. The tour was indeed four hours of walking through the old streets. It did include a coffee, rum, cigar pairing demonstration. The guide was good and the information was good. The biggest drawback for me is the same thing as all organized tours. The pace is too slow and there are too many breaks. We only had nine hours in port, and I think I could have seen more had I not lost four hours on the tour. Our tour guide in the walking tour, Lazaro, did a, he did a fine job. It's just I'm not a big fan of organized tours. Uh, afternoon in Havana. After my walking tour, I walked over to the capital and took a lot of pictures. The Cuban capital was modeled after the U.S. capital, although Cubans brag that theirs is six inches higher. Nearby was El Floridita Bar, the birthplace of the daiquiri and a fam- favorite place of Ernest Hemingway. I posed with the Hemingway statue inside and, of course, had a daiquiri. I also rented a 1955 Chevy as a taxi for the equivalent of about 20 U.S. dollars. My driver, Juan Carlos, drove me around to the site's automatic list for over an hour and waited while I took pictures. Uh, the 1955 Chevy that I rode in, not exactly pristine, but was part of the adventure. Uh, now there's some quick hits here. There were four electrical outlets in my cabin, one near the desk, two by the television, one in the bathroom for shavers and hair dryers. There was also a European outlet near the desk. The most annoying thing was that the most convenient outlet was situated beneath the phone, so the cord from the phone dangled in front of it. I must have knocked the phone off the hook a dozen times over the course of the cruise. Why do they even have phones in cabins these days? Another tip uh, occurs to me. On future cruises, I'll bring my European outlet converters. Royal Caribbean no longer allows us to bring power strips on board, so having a converter makes another outlet available. I saw the Publix on the way to the port and bought a case of bottled water. I checked it with the porter at embarkation along with my luggage, but the water never made it to my stateroom. I never got called to my naughty room, so I'm not sure whether it got confiscated or just misdirected. The next day, I bought another case of water at CVS in Key West, and I carried that on board with no issues. There's no formal night at Empress of the Seas. I thought every Royal Cup ship had a formal night, not Empress. It has been noted that they offer a brunch in the dining room on sea days with free mimosas and Bloody Marys. Actually, they do. They also do this on days with late port arrivals. On my cruise, we arrived at both Key West and Cozumel in the late afternoon, so they offered brunch on those days, too. Thanks for all you do. Uh, great. Daniel, this is awesome. I love this. Um, this is a great uh, rundown of what it's like going on a cruise to Cuba, and a lot of folks, you know, this is still very much new. It's new to me, in fact, so I love hearing about this kind of things. A couple things that I wanted to highlight or talk about. These are not the major parts of it, but things I noticed. One was that you mentioned that they, when you came back to the ship in Havana, you went through Cuban security, and then you went through Royal Caribbean security. Uh, it's interesting only because I had heard that they didn't do Royal Caribbean security on the way back because Cuban security did it, so what's the point? But that's interesting to note nonetheless. And the other thing that you had mentioned, uh, of course, well, the, it was, I was surprised about the the money savings, you know, converting to euros. And, hey, it's a couple dollars here or there, but, you know, 
I think I think Daniel's point is right. If you're only converting like you know hundred dollars a movie, it may not be worth your effort to get euros in the first place. But you know, to each their own, right? I don't think you can go wrong with that. Um, in terms of the water, uh, bottled water, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. This is a question I get a lot. Like, I, I, <laughs> it, this question comes up all the time uh, on the blog, which is, you know, can I bring bottled water or or soft drinks on board? The answer officially is you can't, but. As Daniel points out, you really can. That being said, um, while some people have reported that they can go on embarkation day and give the porter the case and maybe tip him five bucks and, you know, it's on its way, I still recommend if you want to bring bottled water or soft drinks on board the ship, you bring it in your car and you carry it with you on board and you employ a don't ask, don't tell policy. Don't tell anybody about it. Don't ask about it. They won't say anything to you about it. You'll probably be fine. And I think that's probably the best course of action. I know it's kind of annoying that you have to lug it around with you, but would you rather lug it around with you or pay whatever it is for the the equivalent on board? That's kind of, the I think, the the thing you have to do. But um, while I have heard some people tell me that they can go to the porters on embarkation and say, you know, and they'll put a, just a luggage tag on it and it gets delivered. And as you can see here in Daniel's case, it didn't make it there for whatever reason. Who knows why? Uh, but... I would still, if you don't, if you want to be absolutely certain about it, bring it with you on on board with uh, with your carry on stuff. I think it's the best way to go about it. So, thank you, Daniel, for the email. Next, we have an email from Kitty from Toronto, Canada. My husband and I have started listening to your podcast shortly after we booked our very first cruise in February, and we're trying to try hard to catch up to episode 200 and work ourselves backwards. Your episodes have really have some helpful tips, and some of our questions were already answered by listening to some. However, we still have a couple cool questions for you. Number one, <clears throat> let's go. She's got a lot of good questions here. We need to travel from Ontario, Orlando Airport to Port Canaveral. Is a baby under two sitting on a parent on the Royal Caribbean bu- coach bus? Um... I don't know about the bus if that's... I, I think it is legal because on buses, like, they have all different rules. You don't wear, like, a, a car, a baby seat if that's your concern. I mean, I know on buses in general, they don't have the same rules there. So I think you'd be fine in that case. Is there more than one shutter, shuttle bus traveling between the airport and the port? I'm not entirely... I'm, I got to imagine there is. I know there's a schedule to the transfers, um, but it's, like I said, there's a schedule to it. But there's more than one. It's not like just they run one a day, if that's your question. Besides Royal Caribbean Coach Bus, what transportation will you recommend for us? I actually think the Coach Bus is not the best idea. Unless you got like a huge party or one person. Um, I think the better bet is to rent a car. Most often, when you rent a car between or a one-way transfer between Orlando and Port Canaveral, especially if you have a larger family. Now, Kitty, you've got a younger child, so you're going to have to rent a car seat more than likely. Unless you're bringing a car seat on the airplane anyway, then there's no big deal. But... Um, you're renting a car usually is a better value in terms of not only saving you money, but it also allows you to do other things, right? You can actually stop somewhere else. You can go have lunch somewhere or go sightseeing or do more than just get from the airport to the terminal. And I think that's an advantage. So I do recommend probably renting a car. If renting a car isn't, maybe you don't prefer not to drive on vacation. You're not comfortable with it, or maybe the value you're looking at prices it's not really what you're looking for. Another option, of course, is to use a car service. Uh, one of the really common ones nowadays is something like Uber or Lyft. Those allow you to be able to go back and forth, and you can actually estimate the prices very easily via the app and know what to expect price-wise. I like them both. Uh, renting a car, I think, or an Uber or Lyft is probably, I think, the best option. I think renting a car is still the best option, and most often it's quite easy to do. So that'd be my choice. On the embarkation day, we will we have any accommodations to get on the ship earlier than others given we travel with the baby? 
Uh, no, there's no special uh, compensation or or plans for those traveling with children. It's the same for everybody. Although, keep in mind, Kitty, you can arrive pretty early. In fact, you know, if you're among the first people to arrive to the ship, you'll be among the first people to board the ship. So, my recommendation and having tra- travel with children, your best bet is to arrive early because that way you can get on board the ship earlier, and that allows you to hopefully avoid uh, being in the terminal during nap time. Hopefully. And lastly, we ordered a gift from the website, and they mistakenly charge us twice. How do we cancel the wrong order? Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Your best bet is to call Royal Caribbean. Actually, on the website for the uh, the gift website, Royal Gifts and Gear, there should be a phone number there. You should be able to call them and let them know about that. You should have no issues there. So, Kitty, good questions. Thank you for the email. And our last email this week comes to us from Gretchen Lewis from Dallas, Texas. Hi, Matt. We're frequent cruisers and love your blog. We recently listened to your beverage package episode and wondered if you had any comments on the Coca-Cola freestyle machines. We recently traveled on Liberty of the Seas and didn't find one. On other ships, we found long lines and the machines to be frequently out of service or empty. Do you have any thoughts or opinions on this topic? Also, any advice on where to get the best virgin cocktails on the ship? Good question. So, uh, Royal Caribbean does have on some of its ships uh, the uh, Coca-Cola freestyle machines. And as you're... Gretchen mentioned it's not on Liberty of the Seas. Um, the, the rhyme or reason to as to which ships have it or don't have it used to be the ship had to spend all year round in the United States because they, they find it either difficult or impossible to service the machines outside the U.S. That was the understanding I had anyway. Um, and at the time when Royal Caribbean started rolling out the Coca-Cola freestyle machines, Liberty of the Seas was in Europe and uh, doing or part of the year in Europe, not all the time, but part of the year anyway. And so you'll find them on ships like Freedom of the Seas, even though now Freedom goes to Europe uh, for, for part of the summer. Eh, it is what it is. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest, world's biggest soda drinker. I do think they're very cool, though, to be able to use. There are only limited amounts on, on all ships. In fact, even on the Oasis-class ships where you maybe, you know, you're talking about maybe half a dozen machines on the entire ship. Are there times where they're busy? Sure. You know, if you're going during meal times, if you're going to the Windjamer, you're probably going to run into longer lines than if you go in at 10.30 in the morning to try to get one. Um, I think they're neat. I don't know that, you know, it, it depends on obviously how big of a soda drinker you are and how important it is to you. Don't forget, obviously, with the with any uh, package that can take advantage of the freestyle machines, you can also just go to any bar or waiter and ask for a a cup of soda and you can get that and that's just the same thing I mean the freestyle machines are just cool right you can get you know uh, Coca-Cola lime vanilla or something like that you know and kind of mix it all up and have some fun with it um, but you know it, it's one of those experiences I think that really depends on you and how important it is for you to have soda all the time or more importantly how important the machines are to you I personally would think that I think it's a nice way to you know mix it in in the same way that you know if I have the unlimited alcohol package I might get coffee from time to time from Cafe Promenade but it's not like I get the unlimited alcohol package for coffee nor do I get it for just one particular thing it's it's a mix of everything and that's kind of the way I would look at it um, in terms of which ships have it or don't have it you're going to have to kind of look it up uh, we do have a blog post at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com about the uh, Coca-Cola Freestyle Machines and I will post a link in the show notes to it at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com so you can check that out and find out the list there um they don't. Other than new ships that Royal Caribbean has built, they have. I don't think they've really added Coca-Cola freestyle machines to existing ships. So obviously, you know, in the years since Harmony of the Seas and Symphony of the Seas, Anthem of the Seas, and Quantum of the Seas have debuted, and they've, you know, had their freestyle machines added to them because they were new builds. But I'm not familiar with like them adding to, as an example, Liberty of the Seas, um, and I'm not sure why. I'm sure there's a very good reason for it. I just don't know what it is. But there you go. And lastly, Gretchen wants to know, advice where to get the best virgin cocktails on the ship. In my opinion, 
if virgin cocktails you're talking about really frozen drinks, you're going to want to go to a bar that has a lot of variety. Uh, the Schooner Bar is probably number one with a bullet. Would be my favorite place to go. I'm also not sure what trip you're asking about, but um, <laughs> I'll just give you some generic ones. Uh, the Schooner Bar, Boleros, and the Pool Bar. Can't go wrong with those. They have blenders, and they have a great array of those kind of drinks to begin with. You know, like the pub doesn't have a blender, so don't go to the pub. That's going to be really, you're going to, I don't know what you get, a Shirley Temple maybe? Um, you know, not not a whole lot of variety there. I think really for me, when you're asking the best virgin cocktails, to me that's variety, more than just one or two. And so they got to have a blender. They have to have a pretty large bar selection in the back. So that'd be my choice. And depending on what ship you have, but actually, you know what, a very underrated bar in general across Royal Caribbean, the Solarium Bars. They're not usually as crowded as other bars. Not, And I say usually, again, it can vary. But and they, And they have nice service there, and they have a pretty wide selection, so... There you go, Gretchen. Thank you so much for your email. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. I do appreciate it. And if you want to send me your emails, maybe you just had this inspired a question for you, or maybe you're just back from a cruise and you want to tell me all about it, that'd be awesome. Send me an email, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Well, until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.